Hello, hello, there we go. Hi. Um, let's pray before we uh, dig into this parable this morning. Father, um, give us ears to hear uh, your word to us this morning. Father, we choose to um, position ourselves to hear from you. Um, Father, as I speak, may they be your words. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome to come and minister to each one of us. Father, we choose to tune in to you, to hear your comfort to us, to hear your challenge to us, to let you in, to continue to transform us, to become more and more like your son, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us now. Come and do what only you can do. Amen. So, persistence. Um, I wonder if you could give any examples of something that is persistent. What do you think? If I said something that is persistent to you, what would you say to me? What would be the first thing that springs to mind that is persistent? Andy? Yeah, a child asking for something. That's on my list. Absolutely. Um, so you will have known if you're a parent, mommy, 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 daddy, 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 daddy. It's persistent. It's never ending. Um, other examples of things that are persistent. The weather. The good weather, the bad weather, or just weather in general. Just weather in general, yeah. We often hear of persistent rain, don't we? Um, and living surrounded by hills, we get a lot of rain. Um, what else is persistent? Uh, Lara? House training a puppy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if we take that analogy a little bit further, training in general, when we're training for anything, you have to be persistent to improve, to succeed. Um, anything else that is persistent? Work. Yeah, persistent work. <laughs> yeah, um, it can often feel overwhelming, the persistence of the need to work, the need to keep going. Brilliant, okay. So a definition of persistence then. Something you continue to do even though it is difficult or other people are against it. That is the Collins Dictionary definition of persistence. Something you continue to do even though it is difficult or other people are against it. It's also um, something that you do in spite of fatigue or frustration. And another uh, word that came up in the dictionary definitions was um, when you are stubborn about something, um, when you won't let go, uh, a bit like a dog with a bone, that is persistence. So here in this parable this morning, we hear of the persistent widow. She persisted in her quest for justice. It might not surprise you to know that other translations um, from the NLT that we've used this morning call this passage the nagging widow. And I'm quite surprised nagging didn't come up. I'm not going to go into it too much, but I think we all know the feeling of being nagged at, at home maybe. Um, so what I want to ask is, what is Jesus telling us about prayer, about our prayer life in this parable? And to start with, I want to say what he's not saying. And to do that, I want us to think about persistence versus repetition. So if persistence is to continue to do something, even though it's difficult or other people are against it, what is repetition? 
Repetition is when we repeat the same thing over and over again. We do the same over and over again. When Jesus says to the disciples that they should always pray and never give up, I don't think he meant for them to be endlessly, merely repeating themselves. An example at home might be, linking into that nagging theme, might be when I say to Alice, can you take your stuff upstairs, please? Please, can you take your stuff upstairs? When you go upstairs, please, could you take that with you? It's repeating the same thing over and over again and not getting very far because she doesn't respond to endless repetition. Persistence is when we change our track. Persistence isn't about saying the same thing over and over again without thinking about what we're saying. It's about changing our track, changing the way we're doing something to try again. So what if the invitation to persistent prayer is actually about God's desire to be in constant relationship and constant chat with us? Jesus uses the words always pray, and he says that the widow's requests were constant He didn't say that they were the same, that she said the same thing over and over again. He said that her request for justice was constant. She didn't let go of it. She persisted with what she was passionate for and seeking for. So persistence is trying, going again, trying again, trying in different ways, not giving up. But we know the struggle is real when it comes to our prayer life, don't we? We know, we we hear ourselves saying things like, I haven't got time for that. Or, I fall asleep when I'm trying to pray because I try to pray when I go to bed and then before I know it, I'm asleep and I don't really know what I was praying about and then it's the morning and now I'm going to work and I haven't got time to do any of that. I don't know what I'm doing. We often say, I don't know what to say. I haven't got the words. Or we've had experiences where We've tried, and it doesn't seem to work. Constant communication, like constant, persistent work, might sound overwhelming to us. But constant communication with our maker is what we were designed for. It's where we find the true source of life and perfect love. When we're in communication with God, He grows us, we grow, because he reveals more of himself to us and we transform as we persist in our search and quest for him. It does sound difficult. It does sound overwhelming. And I found some great quotes from a chappie called uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Um, I love his name to start off with, Smith Wigglesworth. What a name. Um, To offer some reality and perspective, he says, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. So it's not about the length of time we spend praying. It's not about the fancy words we say, and this was what Paul was saying last week. It's about engaging our heads and our hearts and being in constant communication with God. Do you have constant communication with somebody, whether it's on the phone via messages? It's just a back and forth throughout the day, isn't it? It's constant, it's a chat, it's informal, it's relaxed. That is the invitation to being in constant communication with our maker, our father. But we are weak in our persistence 
Because to pray continuously goes against our human nature. In Galatians 5, chapter, sorry, chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. So we are weak in our humanity. Our flesh doesn't want us to be praying all the time. That's why we fall asleep when we try and pray before we go to bed. Um, We are spiritual beings engaged with a spiritual father. He wants to talk to us spirit to spirit. That verse reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asks the disciples to pray, but they fall asleep. He says, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watch and pray that you will, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So we come to God in all our weakness, and he just wants us to come to him. Um, that is the invitation to us. He wants to be in relationship with us. When Jesus returned to heaven, he left us the gift of the Holy Spirit that we might be empowered and enabled to continue in connectivity with him. Another nugget from Smith Wigglesworth, he says, God is more eager to answer than we are to ask. There's no pressure from God. There's no pressure from him um, for us to have the right words or to... um, to do, to do a perfect prayer or have a perfect prayer life. Unlike the frustrated judge in the parable, he is eagerly waiting for us to connect with him, for us to turn to him, for us to offer and bring ourselves before him. Being weak in our humanity is one thing, but that's not the only reason it can be hard to persist in prayer. I'm sure many of us can relate to a time where we've been praying about something or someone or a situation, and for a long while, and yet nothing seems to be happening. Have you had those um, experiences in life, where you've been praying and persisting and seeking God, but it feels and it seems like nothing is happening? We find ourselves doubting, wondering, well, what's the point? Nothing's changing, nothing's happening, so why should I bother? It might be that you've been praying for a friend to come to faith. It might be for a change in circumstance. It might be for healing for an illness. And nothing seems to be happening. And we're tempted to give up. But I think in this parable, Jesus is saying, don't give up. Don't give up praying. Keep going. Keep talking. Keep responding from your heart to God's heart. We know, don't we, that God hears all of our prayers. Do we know that? That God hears all of our prayers. The ones we speak with our mouths, the ones we speak silently from our hearts. He hears absolutely every single one. And he promises always to answer according to his will and his timing. I've got a story to share with you that I hope inspires us this morning. When I started training, I met a lady called uh, Tracy. Uh, So she's a fellow ministry in training. She started at the same time as me. She's a little bit older than I am. She's a fantastic woman of God. Um, And she shared with me in our interview days um, 
uh, that she had been praying for her husband to come to faith, to come to know Jesus for himself. And she'd been doing that for 20 years. She told me on um, the interview day that David, her husband, hadn't, made, hadn't seemed to be making any progress in that. There was no change in him. Um, but she was still going. She was still holding on to hope that God would do something miraculous in David's life um, that would bring him to faith in Jesus. I saw, so Tracy shared that prayer with me in the May as we went for interviews. And then when I saw her again on the first weekend of college in the September, the following day, Tracy was baptizing David because he had chosen to say yes to the Lord. The first day that Tracy went into ministry was the, first, was the day that she baptized her husband. God's timing was perfect. He knew that those 20 years, there would be a point where Tracy and David would have that spiritual connection, would have that shared faith at home. I wonder what Tracy's thoughts were in all of those 20 years when she was waiting for David to share that life at home. But how amazing was it that it happened on the first day she went into ministry? How perfect that she could baptize her own husband um, into the life of faith that she had known for so long. God hadn't forgotten. God hadn't not heard any of those prayers. God hadn't not seen the pain and the, 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 the discomfort and the longing from Tracy. He'd seen all of that and he knew the perfect moment to transform David's life, to transform their life together as she went into this new chapter. Speaking with Tracy, I'm sure that there will have been times in those 20 years where she doubted, where it was desperately hard to hold on to hope. But in sharing her story, my hope is that it gives us a taste of God's character that it gives us a taste of his goodness, of his faithfulness to us. We persist in prayer, knowing that we pray to a God who promises to give good gifts to his children. In Matthew 7, we remember Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, Alice really wants um, a Barbie house for her birthday. Whether that's a good gift for her or not, I'm not too sure. But if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father know and give good gifts to those who ask Him? We pray to a God who wants to give us good things. In our waiting, it's really hard. In our waiting and in our persistence, we are reminded um, of those words in Jeremiah 29 as well, where God says, for I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you. We might not know the plans, but God knows the plans he has for us. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Sometimes whatever we're facing or going through might not feel like it's a plan for good. 
it might very well feel like it is disaster. It's especially in those times that we need to bring ourselves back to God, to keep in communion with him. We might think we know how a situation should play out. We might know and ask for a specific way forward. But in that, we forget that God is the all-seeing, all-knowing God, that he holds everything together. Maybe things don't pan out the way we expected because God has a better answer in mind, better than we can ever ask or imagine. Remember, persistence is keeping going, doing something, even when it gets difficult, even when it feels like disaster. Because God is a good God and he knows how to give good gifts to his children. He is the God that is all-seeing and all-knowing and holds everything together. And just maybe he has a better answer than we could ever ask for or imagine. The widow in the parable persisted because she was hungry for justice. And the judge eventually responds to her endless requests. I should hope that we persist in in prayer because we are hungry for more of God. And in our hunger, God responds to us. In our hunger and our thirst for him, he responds by revealing more of himself, more of his character to us. Hearing stories like Tracy's that I've just shared hopefully shows us, gives us a taste of this faithful and good God that we have. It makes us hungry for more of that in our lives. We've tasted and we've seen and we want more. So we persist in prayer. I wonder if, uh, I wonder what your favorite dinner is at home. I wonder what, uh, um, when a dinner is cooking at home, which one it is that you smell cooking in the kitchen and you can't wait for dinner because the smell is so amazing, it makes you want dinner now. For me, it's a bit like a roast dinner especially at mum and dad's house. So um, not in this current pandemic, but in times gone by, um, being in mum and dad's house on a Sunday afternoon, smelling from the kitchen the roast meat, whether it's chicken or beef or lamb, specifically lamb, um, and roast potatoes, the smell of it entices me into the kitchen. And I have to take a little bit of the meat before I actually serve the meat on the dinner because I want it and I've tasted the meat um, or the roast potatoes and it makes you want more. You've tasted how good that amazing roast dinner is and you want more so you keep going back into the kitchen sneaking off and trying to make it that nobody sees you. Um, It's like that with God when we've tasted a bit of his character it should make us want more of him. So of course we persist in prayer because we want to know more about this God who loves us, who wants to cherish us and lavish us with good gifts. Jesus asks a question right at the end of this parable, he says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth uh, who have faith? We are called to a life of faith in response to God's faithfulness to us. I want to read you um, some from Hebrews 11. 
And I'd really encourage you, uh, when you go home, to crack your Bibles open and go into Hebrews 11. Read the words, study it, and remember the, these stories that a few of them are going to share with you of people of amazing faith. They will be inspiring to you, I'm sure. So Hebrews 11, 1 to 6 says this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. Before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely ask him. The chapter goes on to name people like Abraham and Moses. Go back to this chapter, get your heads into this chapter and remember their faithfulness um, in the God who is faithful. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We persist in prayer because we are a people of faith. We persist in prayer because we believe in a God who can. We persist in prayer because we hold on to hope. We also persist in prayer because we are expectant. Matthew 7, uh, verses 7 to 8 says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to any, everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I stand here often and I tell you how much I love words. You will uh, not be surprised to know that I've noticed the verbs in that passage. It's not, and you might receive. And you may receive if God's feeling good on that day. It says, you will receive. That is the promise time and time again. You will receive what you ask for. You will find. You will, the door will be opened to you. God is sure of his promises to us. He doesn't waver in between hope and not, faith and not, faithfulness and not. He is the God of promise. He says when we seek him, when we ask him, when we turn and tune into him, he will respond. We are expectant of the move of the limitless God, the one in whom we place our hope, our trust, and our faith. We persist in prayer because we dare to believe that God in his very nature of love wants to be in relationship with each one of us. So there's an invitation from God this morning. Wherever you are with him, whether that's in constant communion, constant conversation, or 
actually not. Wherever you are, let's take up the, con- the, the invitation to connect with him. Remember, there's no pressure from God. He just wants to show you how good he is. Jesus says, don't give up praying. Keep going. Lean into God and trust him. I wonder if there's a situation or something that you've stopped praying about because you've lost hope. You've lost sight of this faithful God. It feels like disaster. Hear the invitation from God this morning to start again. Remember that he's more eager to answer than we are to ask. If something's been brought to mind to you this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray with me um, as we close. Hold that situation, that someone, that something in your mind, ready to bring it to God. If you'd like to do that, I invite you to close your eyes and listen to the words that I say, and in your heart, say them with me. Father God, I come to you now in need of your wisdom and direction. I bring to you this situation. I open my hands and my heart to hear from you. Help me to hear your voice clearly. What you have asked me to do, help me to do it with faith and courage. What you have asked me to release, help me to release to you and not grab it back as if I know better than you. God, I surrender to your will. Give my feet your direction and my will your will instead. In your name we pray. Amen.